0: You and your spells and your witchcraft. Are you a good witch or a bad witch? A real house haunting, broom riding, cauldron
1: stirring witch.
0: Hello, freaks and fairies. people. I'm your host, Grace McGrath, and we are smack dab in the middle of Leo season. It's time to embrace what makes you different, special, lovable, unique, where you need more attention, where you need less attention. Venus is about to join the party in Leo. My Venus is in Leo. I have an unrelenting desire to feel adored. If I am given lapses and attention, I will inevitably go find them somewhere else. Venus and Leo, it's a really good time to uh, engage in personal luxury, it's a really good time to be proud and profound and profess feelings loudly and clearly, the childlike antics are heating up, our appetite for drama is increasing, as is our ability to connect with the heart. We have a full moon in Aquarius on the 11th, which has us eager to find balance between our desire to feel loved, our desire to express and feel seen, and the absolute horrors of living in a digital age. We are called to inspect our desire for public and community approval, and ask ourselves, are we entrapped in the woke perspective laser maze and perceptions of others, or are we doing things from the heart? In this era of having access to infinite vantage points, are we bathing and battling insecurities? Bathing and battling insecurities? What? Are we battling insecurities? Are we taking on other people's perceptions, or are we emanating our own light? So right on brand, we have the amazing digital wellness expert, Tracy McDowell, who is an amazing person. They have this ability to see things in like nuanced, interdimensional, fractal layers. They are an expert on digital feng shui. Tracy teaches at the Digital Wellness Institute. They studied with the International Feng Shui School and... Is a digital wellness teacher. Um, This is a really good episode. I highly recommend, especially if you are like me and you're somebody who struggles with being a divine being forced to use technology. So please enjoy. Before we roll into this episode, I just want to remind everyone that my course is up and rolling. This is the course that you need if you're somebody who is trying to Recover from Narcissistic Abuse, if you're somebody who's trying to adequately learn how to create your reality, hack the matrix, become an ascended master, have sex with Jesus, all of the above, this course is for you. It is an online video course with exercises and homework and is basically an amalgamation of all of the things that I've learned in the past 10 years. So you're welcome, the link is in the bio. Hi, Tracy. Thank you so much for joining me. How are you doing? I'm doing great.
1: How are you doing?
0: I'm doing well. I'm really happy we're finally doing this. I think what you Definitely. do is incredibly cool and also like vital.
1: Thank you. Yeah, finally, like pick, catching up with everyone. I feel like I started work on the ideas of technology and digital wellness five years ago so like 2017 and then everyone was obsessed with demonizing technology um everything that's been, um, every- thing. That's, been
0: yeah. that's been a thing that I personally have been like starting to change my perception around because I'm like wait this is just like an what if this is like our subconscious like what if this is just like an extension I mean it is it's an extension yeah
1: well I think it was an extension of like needing to learn boundaries which we all need to learn. But it was really interesting to watch people, some people go the way of like using technology, getting sucked in. And we'll talk about the ways that it's addictive, but like getting addicted to it. And then there was like a huge sort of battle going on in 2017, 2016 of like no phones, no phones for kids, no tech for kids. Like no one should be using phones. Let's get rid of like Facebook altogether. Like all of social media is the devil. And it's really been fascinating to be on the front lines of talking about it as wellness, talking about digital spaces as places that we need to have tools to be able to interact in a healthy way in versus just saying like, no altogether. Yeah. I can see that for sure. Yeah. So yeah, that's the, that's sort of the, the space I work in is, where technology and digital spaces, like how they're interacting with our lives. But before that, and the reason I got involved in this work is I mostly work as a feng shui consultant. So pre pandemic, I was going into people's spaces. I would do, you know, hour long consultations, tell them like the top sort of 10 things they could change in their homes to make a really big difference and bring it back into balance. But every time I would assign people those different things, And sort of say, like, try this, try this, try this. They would come back to me and be like, it's not working. And so I started examining why isn't it working? And the answer was technology. The answer was the screens in their pocket, the screen, the TV screens, the like iPad screens that people weren't able to stick with balanced spaces because the spaces they were actually spending time in were these digital spaces. And so from there, I got involved in the Digital Wellness Collective, which now a lot of those people are part of the Digital Wellness Institute, which is where I teach digital feng shui and this idea of a balanced digital space.
0: I'm obsessed with that. That's It's absolutely completely vital medicine, especially for right now. Before we get into kind of that, do you want to tell me a little bit about like your awakening um, story? Yeah, your awakening totally.
1: character arc? Yeah, I love it. I love it. How did you um, become sentient? <laughs> I feel like I've always been really on and really raw. And I don't feel like there was how a lot of people have like a switch that was on and off. I feel like I was always really questioning the world that we're in. And I saw it sort of as like a hologram that I could manipulate, but not well. Um, and the big change, <laughs> the part that like really shifted for me was when I graduated from UC San Diego and I had created a major in storytelling. So I'd already learned how to sort of manipulate those structures to like allow me to learn and do the things that brought me passion. But when I got out, the only jobs I was getting were teaching. And I loved teaching like elementary school art, don't get me wrong, but it doesn't make a lot of money and it's very stressful. So I was like, what am I good at? And I would see my big waking up moment was when I was like, well, I'm good at bossing people around (laughs) and I'm good at moving furniture and designing things. And so I'd already had this like beautiful study of feng shui on my own. And then I just decided to really push into those spaces that other people see sort of as other and learn more about feng shui. And I studied with the International Feng Shui School. And I feel like in the process of finally getting a language for how balance needs to be mimicking nature and honoring nature and observing and like really taking in how nature does things, That was my like aha moment of I can be and exist in this world uh, and I can use all these tools to make that happen. Whereas before I'd say I had those like normal wake up experiences of going to like ecstatic dance and like dancing all weekend and like going out into Joshua Tree and like, you know, I did all those things, but it really like clicked for me when I started studying feng shui because that helped me pull in nature into the cycles of my life and the spaces of my life that I was inhabiting.
0: That's so incredible. So inspiring. Yeah. I had a similar kind of experience. I think that I didn't have until I had like a relationship with nature. I don't think that I was really in my body, you know?
1: Oh yeah. I think that, part of the work that I'm doing with digital feng shui is from a very like personal space of knowing that I dissociate a lot. And that as a kid, I was frequently dissociating to cope with things that were going on and that television and then phones. And then, you know, cause I grew up with the technology, just knowing that that was a tool for me to keep checking out, and really needing to like be in my body to help it heal. Um, And so looking for ways that allowed me to start doing that.
0: So what are your methods? Like if you were to kind of recommend uh, like, I don't know, five key points or uh, techniques to sort of reorganize the digital
1: space or your relationships to technology, what would they be? Totally. So uh, I do a talk called composing the cyber self and from there the things that I've seen for it's mostly for people in the music industry and music students that are struggling with like needing to have a social presence online but not knowing how to deal with like the decision fatigue of like picking photos that go up and like getting really like feeling FOMO and like getting stuck in the doom scrolling it's specifically for them But I think that these apply to everyone. And so I would say the first thing is to look at your um, physical environments that you're using your phone in and really check in with like how your body feels when you're in those spaces. So let's say we're talking about like an office, Um, the chair that you're sitting. What, how, let me ask you this, Grace, how are you sitting right now?
0: I am sitting on a chair. It's pink and uh, it's vintage. (laughs) 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 <laughs> I refuse to tell you I am uh, my feet are like perched on this like little ledge. I'm sitting facing the computer, okay. Um uh, my hands. I'm like, you know, upright, but kind of slouched,
1: kind of relaxed. Yeah. Well, it doesn't sound like that's going to hurt you like over the course of us chatting. But like if you were an office worker type person doing a nine to five at a desk, you could not sustain that position all day. And so my first tip to people is to really like look at the ergonomics of the spaces they're in. So can your feet touch the ground, like flat touch the ground while you sit in the chair? Are you able to sit up like straight comfortably um, as the height of the screen at a point where your eyes or your neck isn't craning upwards or down, it's just right at a good neutral level. those are my sort of big ones as far as ergonomics but then also I ask people about the spaces they're in because in feng shui we talk about with when you're using when you're doing quote unquote work you want to be in the command position right and the command position is like you feel in charge of whatever's going on in a room so like I don't know where you are in relationship to a door in your space right now but the goal when you're trying to like work be it in a digital sort of format or at a desk uh, you want to be able to like see who's going to come in a door so if someone was to come in they wouldn't surprise you and you want to be the thing and all the energy is like funneling towards and so the second sort of part, I do this
0: I do that literally at restaurants if I'm at a restaurant yeah I'm able to see I need to be able to see the door. I can't have my back facing the door. I can't have my back facing the center of the room. This obviously makes going on dates um, really <laughs> problematic because they're like, wow, this person is so uptight.
1: <laughs> I wouldn't literally been like, hey,
0: can we switch seats? Because
1: I'm an empath. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I think i feel like. If you know, and they can't respond to that, then that's like a good first test. Yeah. <laughs> if you can handle this, like, you don't know, you're not going to handle the rest of it. Yeah. But yeah, you, so you instinctually know to sit in the command position. And I feel like what we don't think about oftentimes with technology, and it's really like turned off our our sort of mammalian senses is once we get in the phone or once we get like watching tv we dissociate into those digital spaces and we forget how to like protect ourselves we don't notice these things as much and so yeah those are my
0: yeah and then also don't you go into like a delta brainwave state I know like there's mirror neurons and there's like stuff that happens when you're like watching a movie of somebody doing something and like your brain fires off the same mirror neurons as if you were actually doing it. Yeah. Also like, like our art, like phones and technology, is it that just like black mirrors?
1: So, yeah, I, I was, I was going to say this really, you said something in one of your previous podcasts that I was like, oh, that's exactly what I teach and talk about, which is like when you are interacting with these digital spaces, like you are manifesting based on what you're watching. And that's those like mirror neurons, you know? Like if you, the reason we don't want to expose kids to like too much violence is because it normalizes the violence in their like physical systems. They start to feel like, oh, this is normal to see this much blood, or it's normal to see like two people being this mean to each other. And then it desensitizes our like physical, neurological reactions to those things, which if you're in a community and if we didn't have technology progressing this quickly, wouldn't be trained into us we would have a bigger response to like watching these really brutal things happen and so to the same extent as like how we're being affected by watching violence like everything we watch everything we take in is... yeah, has to
0: go somewhere you have to digest it and exactly. it shapes your reality i really do believe that that's why totally. i've watched horror movies in like years because i also like think about like on a sort of like wider vantage point like what does it mean if I'm being entertained by drama and trauma? Like, why is that what entertainment is? It's just like, we're like watching drama and chaos. Like, why isn't it like something different? Like, why isn't it just kind of like pure art?
1: I I feel like it's mostly where I get like lost with people is, is that they don't even know what art is anymore. Right. We've been like the same way that I think you've been doing this like parasite cleanse and becoming more aware of what's going on with food and what food tastes good. And like the things you put into your body, with media, we're we're so inundated. There's this uh, we call it like information overwhelm in the digital wellness space. But the information overwhelm has made it as normalized taking in a bunch of like junk food information and having to like sift through and find the good stuff has become quite difficult, which is a bummer. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely.
0: I mean, I also thought of like I I I'm obviously like a major conspiracy theorist because I have like a lived a life that is a conspiracy basically <laughs> in terms of like, you know, I think like personal governmental targeting or whatever. But I yeah. definitely think that um like some of these these like subconscious methods, like let's say hypothetically like we've been programmed through Disney movies or, like, you know, the news or, like, you know, advertising. I think on some level, we have picked up on these methods. And what's really interesting about social media now is that I feel like, consciously or not, we are programming each other. And that is... A kind of a double-edged sword but I definitely think that it's like a tool that is being used in awakening like even yeah. if you think about a meme a meme is what a thought form looks like which is like an image with words on it so a lot yeah. of these like esoteric like meme pages are like basically deprogramming people using the programming that we are already kind of being um indoctrinated with which I think is very interesting. And then I also have like a theory that like anytime you like tweets are spells and the more people that perceive something, the kind of more charged it is. Mm -hmm. I honestly think that we're just moving into this age where like, it's like every, the only way to understand it is everything is magic. And that includes technology and it includes what you kind of um, solidify and send out to the ether.
1: Yes. And how much awareness you even have of the fact that it's magic. Yeah. Because I think that's why I'm trying to talk about and give people tools is they're not even picking up on the fact that they're casting spells when they write things. Or like my, I'd say my like little dirty secret is I love watching videos about Meghan Markle. I'm just fascinated. I loved suits when I was a teenager and I can feel when I'm like participating in those spaces, trying to like hash out the reality of how people are interpreting this woman on two sides of the coin. You know, there's like, they're making media that's hyper cruel, evil mean. And then there's people on the other side, like being as kind as humanly possible. And you're like, we don't know the reality, but somewhere in between there is something. But sometimes when I like finish, you know, scrolling through some of that stuff or reading it, I can feel a difference in my body. Like I'll feel more anxious because I know that someone out there has the capacity to like, basically cast these spells be them good or bad but that like this woman is being affected by them and she probably chose it but like you know it's still completely
0: that's how I felt with the Amber Heard Johnny Depp stuff it was like incredibly traumatizing and then there's like some speculation that he like ordered a bunch of bots I mean who (laughs) cares they're both kind of but it was kind of like I I saw it and I was like oh this is like bringing up everyone's personal trauma and like they're pointing their perception at this and like how is it going to affect like our interpersonal relationships when we're like so far removed from our own humanity I mean I definitely think that these are like masculine feminine like in terms of shamanism like weird kind of spells I don't know
1: I definitely see it as being unconscious spells it's happening so fast um and so I feel like what's interesting about being in this space for five or six years is that the change is so immediate because people are constantly redefining like how to fight it like you said with the memes like if you take sort of the internet's way of communicating and turn it on its head to show how the internet could be dangerous like that's fascinating that the same way that nature finds a way and can grow through like any crack we as humans humans, we're nature. We're finding ways to like get into these digital spaces and like put truth out there. Um, But it's happening so quickly. And it's such a big avalanche. It's, it's, it's important for there to be sort of wayfinders that are like, this way isn't going to hurt you as much as this way, or like this way will make you stronger, faster than this way.
0: Yeah, totally, completely. What do you think about pornography? (laughs) <laughs> Are
1: you into it? Um, I I have some I have a lot of opinions on porn. I just watched there's that like new British TV show uh about the woman who works in porn and I watched it and I was depressed for like two days and I had to really sit with like how it was making my body feel. I needed to go like finish the series. Um but watching it and the the nonchalant way that they were uh, having to depict things like rape, or, it was very uncomfortable, like in my physical synth- system. And then I went and had nightmares about it. And I was like, I, I chose to watch this. Like, I think these are topics I'm really like intrigued by because it's the world world's oldest profession. It's fascinating but yeah, I have a lot of opinions about porn. What do you think? How do you feel when you like interact with that online?
0: I read this book called, um, sacred union by this woman, Tanisha, and it, uh, had this amazing chapter on how pornography affects the collective. And it wasn't so much like, okay, for sure. Like you have a bunch of people who are just like jerking off their life force to like, something that is simulated and and sex being such an interdimensional physical experience, it kind of desensitizes you, blah, blah 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 blah. But it went into this idea that like it affects, us because the idea of of intimacy is really like something that's kind of earned or you know when when a feminine counterpart surrenders to like the masculine it's done so because of like trust um and so then it affects the masculine conscious the unhealed masculine consciousness and kind of assuming or looking for um people who will just kind of uh let um people who will let the unhealed masculine just kind of like degrade the feminine um without having to integrate one's shadow i'm paraphrasing but it was very interesting and it was like one of the most profound takeaways because i realized that like it's not even the porn itself it's just the dynamic of not having like these sacred initiations and intimacy where like the role of the feminine, I believe the healed feminine is to help integrate and own um, a man's shadow. Once again, this is not gendered. This isn't gender specific, but I think it's about illuminating what's in the darkness and sort of like becoming a portal to divinity. And instead we have these like essentially memes that people are uh, unconsciously recreating. Because sexual energy is—I mean—and who knows? Like, is the computer yeah. interdimensional device? Like, are we seeing all that's happening? Like, you know,
1: I think I think that it's really interesting to look at it from a masculine and feminine perspective because uh, I myself am like very gender queer. Um, I sort of I hold both. I would say that like uh, I identify, or my sisters always said I come off very like two spirited, and so. For me, I feel like there, what it did is it created a blueprint for the people who were coming of age with cell phones, with uh, computers to think like, this is what sex is. But because oftentimes it's not authentic, in my opinion, like this is very personal. Like, I, I feel like you can find porn where you're like, that was a couple that just filmed it. That was an authentic moment. I watched it weird that I got to be a part of it but for the most part it's so performative that it has changed the uh, ability to be intimate because now that instead of it being an intimate act it's about performance um I'm reading and I think it's really useful in this conversation sacred sex which is by what's her name it's like her I think Gabriella Hurstic. um on my podcast I love her Gabby amazing yeah so I (laughs) I've been I've been listening to it as an audiobook and I ordered it so I can like try to go through some of the rituals but as I've been listening to it I am like reminded that how sex like sort of coming up in the age of information and technology like how it is Approached is all like what we look like and like who's fucking who, and like the intimacy is void. And everything, all these rituals that Gabby's putting forth are so like personally intimate. And it's almost uncomfortable for me to like look at them and consider doing them because it's something that isn't practiced in my life as much anymore, especially with the pandemic. You know, we took away so much physical being with each other for the last two to three years and relearning how to like make eye contact who to make eye contact with how to like touch people what type of touch you feel comfortable with like all these things are being relearned and so Tracy
0: I literally was on like a five-month celibacy strike (laughs) <laughs> um, like literally it was just I couldn't do it anymore. You know, I it got to the point where like I would if I if I even slept next to a guy, I would get like a UTI. <laughs> um, oh you well know, your body knew that's oh, why so this, was I'm- like, no, you need to learn how to become a unified field with yeah. your damn self. You yeah. do not need to be taking on other people's energy. And that ended recently my relationship to sex continues to kind of evolve, but I think that it really challenged the paradigms of, and and honestly interacting with men who like didn't understand why I was kind of like holding back and like having to sort of sit down and explain to them, okay, like, I feel like I need to be valued. We barely know each other. Like I want to be known. I want to be seen. And then revisiting it recently has been such a different experience. It's been really, um, intense you know so
1: yes well that intensity I feel like is why technology is so dangerous is it is definitely easier to watch even like three minutes of someone like doing something and be like oh I did the thing then like do the actual work of like sitting with like sort of melding with someone being really present and like that intimacy being genuine yeah for sure. Real crazy i feel like that that tv show what i took away from watching uh sort of this idea of like sex and porn and tv being fed to us through digital devices uh, was that we know the people who are writing these shows know we all have this felt sense that like it's not good for us But we haven't been existing long enough to see the ramifications of it yet. I think there are people who would argue we're already seeing the ramifications. But as I watched this show, like even the idea of her like being a porn star and like connecting with people in this very performative way for a camera versus like it being intimacy without any sort of audience in that way her character went through this process of like 10 years later being like, I don't know if I like that. I did started doing this as a teen. Like, I don't know how it's affecting me. And I think there's a lot more people that are waking up to like, whoa, that's a really sacred space that I've let a lot of weird energy into. And, uh, yeah, I mean, this isn't digital feng shui, but I, I think it's an interesting topic.
0: I agree. Yeah, completely. Um you had a beautiful array of notes is there anything hmm? is there anything you want to refer back to I know you took a lot of notes
1: I did well I get so excited when I'm listening to things with people who are sort of more awake as you put it because I feel like it's very new to be able to openly and in a digital space be like, I'm a witch. Like, I know what magic is. Like, I kind of practice and dabble in that. Like, I'm learning how to protect myself from, like, stuff. Um, And so having someone like you making these spaces for people to feel safe in those identities and that deep intuition and knowing, I just get so stoked. So, like, one of my favorites was... You talked about like uh, the live, laugh, love signs and how they can kind of be tacky, um, but that you would want like there to be ability for that to be like genuine and honest. And so, uh, yeah, I, I wanted to sort of like talk on this idea that like those words don't have to be tacky. And there are ways to bring those like three things into your physical spaces and into your digital spaces. So I want to start with digital spaces. And these are just like little micro changes that when I'm coaching someone, I find have like really helps them. And the first one would be like, when you pick up your phone, does it spark joy? This is like an idea that comes from Marie Kondo and the KonMari method, But it's, I think, something that's critical to every part of our life. Like, we don't want to keep things that have really heavy energy or drag us down. And so, if we're picking up our phone and immediately feeling like a sense of dread or overwhelm, something that's worked really well for clients is I have them change their first screen when they open it. So, their home screen is something that makes them like, feel happy, but the one where all of your apps are to move all the apps to the second one. So you have to consciously scroll from the first image, whatever that may be a picture of like your dog or a plant or like a meme you think is funny, but to have that be the first thing you interact with and like really settle in and take a break with before you scroll into all the apps and dive into what you're doing on your phone Beautiful.
0: Brilliant. I love that. I have right now my phone background is the Sri Yantra. Before that, it was a rune. Nice. I've also done the whole like make your home screen, which I've never heard before, but like a sigil with intention.
1: Yes. And then you like
0: have it and then you like change it and then you like cast the sigil because it's been like in the peripheral of your reality. Now it's like, you know, if you have an intention, the the rune one, I think really did something. Um, But I love the idea of having to, yeah, to to, be more
1: intentional. There's this like intentionality that I think is critical and knowing that like, it kind of is a, it, it is a space where you're spell casting. So you want to be reading things that help you. So like I made mine, I can share this so that other people can use it if they want, but mine just says like, Oh yes, you can. And then has a mental cleansing practice that one of my teachers gave me. And so I just read through it as the phone is turning on, or when I like first interact with the screen and I like, you know, go through that mental cleansing practice, because this is the thing we're touching for most people the most times in a day. So why not use it as like part of your magic and make that somewhere where you like really are loving that space and it's making you feel lighter.
0: Yeah. And also like, how do you combat feelings of like, sometimes I feel like when I use my phone, I'm betraying my, the earth. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, am I betraying nature? <laughs> how do you combat that kind of guilt? Like, how oh, do you is- reprogram your yourself? And this is something that I like very... It's funny that we're doing this because I very recently started like trying to dispel the belief that technology is evil and like foreign and alien. And instead trying yeah. to think of it as, oh, this is just an extension of how our consciousness has expanded. So I fully truly believe that physical reality is a holographic rendering of non-physical reality and the reason why we have access to all the information on the internet and each other on the internet is because we have expanded on a subconscious level to that sort of like uh echelon of interconnectivity and um sort of you know shared subconscious and therefore like we have technology because of that reason. Um, not that it's like something that is separate from us. So I've been trying to kind of like tell myself that. Um, but I also have this thing where like, I need to like, I want to walk for like, I ha- I need to spend at least two hours in nature in order for me to like yeah. be a human. Um, otherwise I get like really like bitchy. Yeah. And, um, Sometimes work on my computer, or even like sometimes when people call me a lot, I'm like, I resent them subconsciously because I'm like, oh, you're making me use this thing.
1: Mm-hmm. But
0: I, yeah, I wonder if you have any ideas on how.
1: Yeah. So the ones that work, um I have. So the person who founded the Digital Wellness Institute, one of the co founders, um Nina Hersher, uh, recently went to like a symposium in Dubai with all of the leading experts on digital. Wellness and, uh, was asked this question and I really like her answer. So I'm going to parrot it back to you, which is set your, do not sleep with your phone in your room. Like go give yourself 30 minutes before bed, ideally more, and give yourself 30 minutes when you wake up to be phone free. And I know it sounds like, Oh, that's so basic. Like, of course you should be doing that, but he's really, an actual difficult practice that I think takes practice to get good at, to not just instantly pick up the phone and drop into these like hyper social spaces. And so the way I talk about it with clients and remind them is like, imagine your life as if this wasn't a phone. Like, would you do, would you immediately, let's think of Instagram as like a big party that's like just starting. So like not everyone's like in their clicks and just kind of like uncomfortably milling around. Like, would you engage with that right after getting out of bed? Or even would you allow that to be standing <laughs> around you in your bedroom?
0: <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> that would be so weird. It would be so <laughs>
1: So oh my God. <laughs> I invite people to like really take these digital spaces and extend them as if they were physical to feel in your body. Cause it like even talking about, it gives me like uncomfortable chills. Like you just wouldn't like, you need the time to be with yourself. And I think so much of what's happening with our phones is that we don't have that time. So it's so amazing that you have this to our access to nature and I am a hundred percent saying like get out into nature walk barefoot like those things work and since I live in Brooklyn in New York City like not everyone is doing that or getting that access so the thing that I find really helpful after that is hammocks um weighted blankets and knowing like what music calms you down and so if you have access to those things or can easily purchase those things, like I've noticed that a weighted blanket is like a game changer for people's actual, uh, like physical well-being. their neurological system can just calm down. And then they're able to let go of the phone. Cause what I've noticed for a lot of my clients is that I coach privately is that they will, pick up the phone as a security blanket. Cause they're uncomfortable. And me too, honestly, if I'm really worked up, let's say like went out for um, like, even last night, I went and saw an amazing bossa Nova show. So good. Um, but after I was like, all charged up, it's New York. I was on a train. There was all these things happening. And I just wanted to like sit and scroll. Um, but then my partner came and he's my actual boyfriend blanket and like sat on me. And I was like, Oh, I'm, I'm safe. Like things are fine. So hammocks things that can like make you feel enveloped I think also have the same ability to calm as nature if you can't get out into nature
0: I love that I also think that like I had this like thought the other day and it's like what if everybody has a different like version of internet have you <laughs> totally. thought about that because well, I wonder the- if it's like a mirror of your like your subconscious like why does certain people go down certain like conspiracy conspiratorial like rabbit holes and other people don't like my friend
1: yeah. had like, well, I, I like was wondering what your TikTok is like, because like, to me, TikTok, I mean, it's, it's basically dying at this point, but when I was interacting with TikTok, my friends had radically different TikToks. Like I had someone I'd call like a basic friend. Right. And they're like, it's so boring. And I looked at their feed and I was like, I mean, if this is what I was seeing on TikTok, like this is boring. But my TikTok was like tarot readings for a while, which you've talked about. And like, you know, I was really, I was on the queer side of TikTok. So it was really interesting. Um, and yeah, I really think that the internet is sort of what you put into it, what you search for. That's what's going to feed back at you.
0: Yeah. That's a whole, a whole thing. And then I, I wonder if like the people who go down certain like rabbit holes, is that like indicative of like, cause I've been thinking, I spent a lot of time during my awakening, like going into like extreme and this was like pre-Trump era, like, but like extreme conspiracy territory. And it didn't feel good per se, but I also think that it was indicative of like a secret belief that reality was evil or not trying to help me. And that's why, um, why I fell into those spaces because it was almost like a, a mirror of me secretly feeling that like, I didn't have as much power as I, as I did. And I've noticed like I have a tendency to, um, in the past i would get kind of like a meshed with with men who were sort of like conspiracy theories theorists themselves and then they like in their waking sort of everyday physical life would be very distrustful would like start to sort of like weave these ridiculous tales and conspiracy theories about people around them and i thought that was really interesting and insofar yeah. as like the TikTok phenomena, like I have seen in real time how it has shortened people's attention span and in sort of like encouraged people to look for the most saturated, stimulating environments and only be present with them for a couple of hours. Um yeah. there's this like local haunt in Los Angeles that I kind of like grew up going to, and it was like a pretty cool it's like a bar lounge but it was like one of the first spaces in los angeles that was like a place where people didn't necessarily go to like get wasted but there's was like a big you know tree in the backyard and like people would congregate mm-hmm. there and like be able to actually hear each other because like the music wasn't loud and there's like no bottle service and it was like you know for for the top you know, in 2016, it was like a a pretty like cutting edge phenomena to be able to like talk to people. And um, it's interesting, like post COVID, like to sort of see how those spaces have changed, because on the one hand, I think that people have a rebellion to the, the virtual and want to get out and like see each other again. But on the other hand, everyone's desire for stimulation their appetite for stimulation is at an all time high to the point where like, I'm seeing it be uh, imitated with like DJs where like DJ sets are now like, you're, you only play like, yeah, you, you, they play like literally like the the best 30 seconds of a song and then change the next song. And like the music has changed. It's just so fascinating to me. It's so fascinating.
1: I, I I agree. I think that, The short attention spans are a product of the attention economy um, and are a product of the tech companies purposely engineering when they started. I mean, now they uh, this is fascinating to me. So there are like tech execs who openly say that they do not allow their children to use the technology they're creating. The guy who founded Pinterest. There was another one, but they, they, they say like, we're not letting our kids anywhere near technology. And so they know that when it was starting, which is crazy, it was only about a decade ago, um, when social media was getting big, that they were purposely making it so it hooked you. There is a book um, by one of the guest teachers at the Digital Wellness Institute near Eyal um, called Hooked. He then wrote a book called Indistractable after writing Hooked, but Hooked went into how to make basically habit forming technology. And that's how Facebook was made. That's how Instagram was initially made. That's definitely what TikTok is trying to do. And that uses a system that's basically like a slot machine. And so we are hoping to get some sort of dopamine hit in the form of the tribe. So like, if you message me on Instagram, you know, I'm stoked. I'm more likely to open Instagram to see if you talk to me or um, like the self posting pictures of yourself, seeing people liking things of you. That's another dopamine hit. And then um, what's the third one? Oh, and the, and the chase, like the, the looking for things, like you can scroll endlessly because you might get something really good, but you never know. And so those three things are keeping us hooked because we're getting drip fed them like at variables to see like, will this bring them back on the app? Can I put place more ads on this app? And that on top of adding those buttons where like, it says, Hey, you have a message, like that's involuntary attention. That's going to plop us back in. Like all of this is something where if you do a digital detox, which I think you talked about with someone previously, or they had done one, um, you can really feel the difference between being like on always looking for this, like next dopamine hit and just being neutral and nice. And like, I don't know. Being more in harmony and more in balance.
0: What do you think it does to be for like people to have access to your image and be able to
1: kind of like look at your image and like remotely? I love your questions. I wish I was asking you the questions. I think personally that if you don't create an avatar, like we encourage people are being encouraged to do now um, online or some sort of like caricature of yourself that it's really energetically draining in my opinion um I don't know how do you feel when you put up photos of yourself
0: I mean I was feeling this way when I was like just exclusively modeling in New York yeah. I was like is this like healthy I've also like dated people who were very much in like the public eye on like a mass scale and like my experience of them was that they were like under perpetual psychic attack
1: yes (laughs) that's
0: but i think you can you can there's like crazy like methods you can take like there's like there's i found youtube meditations that like clear your virtual spaces um like scatter like um subliminal messaging that like eliminates any negative energy from your social media platforms like some
1: of that is just like we're in this new age that's just a part of yeah if you're doing that intentionally it's there i think what's so interesting about how quickly things are changing is that we just no one it's so new to talk about even the need for something like that and we were never no one was questioning, like, what does it feel like to put photos of you up? I personally didn't have an Instagram for like six years because I, at like 19, I was like, this feels wrong. Like, it feels like weird. I don't, I could feel the same way I can like tele- telepathically kind of know when my sister or my best friend is going to call and then they call. Like, I could feel these weird little psychic attacks and I was like, mm, shutting it down. But here's the thing, Grace, like when I did that, I lost a lot of access to the people that like I need to be working with to the people, like my people, the way that we're all connecting right now is through these social media apps. So there really has to be like a balance and an intentionality about going into these spaces and saying like, I'm here because like I want to connect in these ways and then place that sort of avatar of yourself into those spaces and grow it um that's sort of how I talk to clients about it is like think of yourself as like the avatar that's in Instagram like if you look at the first three photos on your feed they say a lot about you to a certain extent and where you are right now and I think we all kind of know that in the back of our heads but maybe like a good practice for anyone that's listening is to go look at those three photos and be like what do these say about me (laughs) You can totally read someone's energy via Instagram. Yeah and I think it's like strange that we've just like given I that's part of why I haven't grown a huge following is I will put out a reel. And I'm like, I, this is too, this is, I'm so excited about this topic. I'm putting so much of myself in it, but it doesn't feel like a protected space. That's part of why I was so excited to talk with you. Is like you instinctually, the same way I walk into a house when I'm feng shuiing it and I am the crystal, right? I'm clearing, I've gone in with all my protections up. I know how to like pull that energy and like, put it back into the earth around it and make it feel better. I think you're really good at holding space for people that is protected, that is safe, that says to everyone else who's like listening, like you can listen, you can learn, but like, it's not your place to like judge, like back the fuck off.
0: Yeah, completely. Yeah, totally. It's a, that's
1: a beautiful skill. And I just, uh, I feel like, We are all a bit under-resourced in figuring that out in these cyberspaces because it happened so quickly and it happened in under capitalism and it happened as like a consumer driven process. And then we start to think of
0: ourselves as corporations because we have brands
1: and it's so weird. And so, and that's part of why I'm like, why would I, why would I put myself out there like this? Cause then I have to do all this work, which is like basically free labor for a company that's like benefiting off of me putting these things out. So I'm really back and forth on how to be present on social media, but I think it's important to acknowledge that it exists and it's where people are like accessing each other and find ways to like work with it that make you feel good. Yeah.
0: Yeah, completely. I agree. I know you had some questions written down. Do you want to fire through some of those?
1: They're, they're more just thoughts, um, but I would love to talk about, we've covered so many of these things, which is great. Um, I would love to talk about what you see uh, video games being in, because I know you're working and I love this. I am also working on this. You're working with like the unhealed masculine and how we've put boys in a box and it's presenting in certain ways. And somewhere that I see this play out a lot is with sort of the quote unquote, like women being upset at the quote unquote, like males for playing video games. So I'd love to hear what you're thinking of like video games and those spaces. And yeah.
0: Okay. So this is really interesting because I often use video games as an analogy for what like this ascension process is, okay. um, and I like to think of it as like, for example, in Sims, right? Like you used to, uh, you're playing Sims and you build these characters, and the characters don't know that they're kind of like all connected through like an oversoul, um, and that they're being like played. And let's pretend that like you're one of the characters in Sims, and you only see for a certain vantage point. Part of what's happening yeah. is, is like the Sims characters are like, "Oh my god, could we maybe be in a game?" And then they're like, "Oh my god, that person is also me." And then the the person playing the game is it's almost like there's like a I call it like a it's like a prolapsed ego. It's like this like uh disassembling process where we're like our higher self or over soul or Godhead is like coming into the chat and like becoming a player. But then occasionally it like freaks out. And it's like, Oh fuck. I, I keep forgetting I'm playing a game. So I'm going to go back into game mode. I think that video games were invented by God to teach people how reality works. <laughs> what about like, what about the violent ones? Like, what, what about the point and shoot ones? Someone point and shoot, that's like a perfect example of like how you have a point and shoot player. Um, like, I think that it, uh, it's a, it just shows you kind of how reality operates. I've listened to somebody talk about this um, in regards to like Grand Theft Auto, like it doesn't actually make men violent, but it mm-hmm. makes them anticipate violence in areas that they find familiar and more on guard. Uh, I remember, like my brother had like a crazy video game addiction and his body I was watching his body and I was like dude you are traumatizing yourself. Yeah. You are like not having a good like somatic reaction to this. Totally. Um, I have never personally I mean like I used to ask like dudes on dates like what like if you ever played Sims what would you have your character do cuz I found it mm. so telling. Yes. My ex-boyfriend, for example, told me that he, like, would build a giant pool with no ladder and, like, have them all, like, go in and then, like, drown. And I was, like, this is why you know life is like this. Because your higher self is probably, like, thinks it's entertaining as fuck to sort of be in crises. But I think that, like, and, and I was somebody where I would, like, make the characters, I would, like, assemble the looks, and I was just, like, obsessed with, like, love and getting them to fall in love and trying to like mm-hmm. have this sort of system and build this house and then get bored pretty quickly so
1: I think yeah some, so for some, you it's like practice it's like uh you're just you're you're like I'm in the simulation I'm going to simulate the simulation sort of like that new tv show where the guy does the rehearsal oh it's called the rehearsal yeah like that,
0: he, that really tripped me out watching that really tripped me out because that yeah it's yeah a
1: simulation, but a
0: simulation but I also think that like what kind of games people play is probably indicative of where they're at or what they're working through like who knows like the person who's addicted to what are those video games the worst games like world of
1: warcraft no that's
0: way cooler um <laughs> like black ops or something oh
1: yeah
0: um, I maybe that person has like a past life where they were like a soldier and they're like yeah going through the like somatics of that like a hyperbolic I don't know. That there's just something. I, I also feel like
1: they allow for a sort of like generational healing. At least that's what I've been observing. And the people I that talk to me or come to me with like video game addictions or kids that they're worried about have video game addictions. When I listen, I'm like, Oh, they're accessing like they're putting their nervous system like in places so that they can work through whatever that is so if they're in those games that are more ones you play with your friends I'm like it sounds like they're doing a lot of trauma work on like how to properly move through whatever that battlefield is like with a team um I don't know you're seeing that I don't know a lot about video games other than like what people tell me (laughs) yeah yeah, no I mean it's definitely like a weird a trip but in that like space of generational trauma I really feel like digital doing like thinking of it as feng shui because feng shui translates to wind water and so it's the forces that act upon the natural world to sort of shape and change it. And so we want to be the wind water like within our own spaces to like make things flow more easily. Um, Like how, you know, the water, the ocean and the waves erode the side of a cliff or a river like erodes down a stream. And so I see it as bizarre to have this much access to the past And, like, be able to quickly go, like, research things about our families and, like, what's going on. Um, And I think it's actually healing people, like, exponentially faster to have access to digital spaces.
0: And I think that this is why, like, when I think about, like, the Roe versus Wade stuff and I think about, like, um, like the sort of, like, women bashing sometimes that I see online or I think about... um, how, like, a lot of, like, my brother, for example, was getting into, like, a weird incel mm. kind of TikTok um, that was, like, incredibly misogynistic, or, uh, like, even, like, the BLM stuff, it's, like, we need to face these things. They're buried in our bodies. Like, we're just working through it quicker now because of the internet. Like, these triggers might actually be conspiring to get us to face things you know and and that is why the internet can be so beautiful
1: um you know I agree but at the same time it's so I I mean feng shui is great because it's the yin and the yang right so like the the yang of that is like really quick healing but the yin of that is that like it's also I in my opinion created what we call like in the digital wellness space the loneliness epidemic like I really feel like Maybe people were lonely before the amount of technology that we currently have, like at the same, at the same rate, but it seems like it's also creating so much disconnection that people feel more and more lonely, even with like the amount that they can like access.
0: Yeah. And, and I also like have, I I agree with that. And I also think that like, I follow quite a few people on Instagram and I have a tendency, if I like look at somebody's page long enough, I usually yeah. will see them within 24
1: hours. Mm. Oh, oh, totally. I mean, I think that if you're already like, if you're psychic, if you're that psychic, like it's mm. anything that you do through, like we started this conversation with, like, these are, these are black mirrors. Like you can scry, you can do things with them. So that's the magic portal. And if you do stare long enough at that person, like you're going to make them show up. I've been on the other side of that where I'm, I'm like, feel I'll like bump into someone and I'm like, Oh, you've been, you've been creeping. Like I can feel the, whatever that pull is. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's totally possible. And it's important to like, think of them as little, like magical scrying devices. Yeah, Totally. I think something that I always mention that I haven't mentioned because you're so interesting to talk to, but it's really a big part of what I do is that these spaces, the same way, like your house needs to be decluttered and rebalanced and cleansed every so often, like we have not normalized cleaning up our cyberspaces. So. If you're wondering what to do after this conversation, whoever's listening, um, the first thing to do is go look at your desktop and like see how much is on it, see how organized it is, and if you can get rid of any of it and then see how you feel once you've cleared that like digital clutter. Because I think that we're getting more and more entangled in our digital clutter and it's happening so quickly. And we need the reminder to pare it down and if these are sort of like plate spaces that we practice magic and are making manifesting things that they also need to be cleansed and cleared regularly. I agree with that. Do you color code your apps? Are you one of those people? I am not. I'm not one of those people. I find that uh, everyone I've worked with does it a little bit differently. Um, But I can say that my system includes funny, labelings. So for example, I have one called robots under my control. Um, (laughs) yeah. Uh, So yeah, I think find the, this is one of those like live, laugh, love moments. Like we do want those things in our life. And so I try to make the things that I do for digital feng shui and digitally detangling be things that like make me laugh and smile and bring me joy.
0: Yeah. I I love that. And I also think, yeah, reveling in the absurdity and keeping it
1: light and fun. I know it's crazy. Like I named my robot vacuum um, and we got a little dog to put on top of it. So like they have matching names and they go around the house, like doing things. Um, And you've got to like find ways to make the tech be a part of like your space. Honestly, I almost told you their names, but this is one of those privacy protection things that I'm getting better at, which is like the boundary is I'm not telling people what I name things. Like they don't have access to that. Like we're all starting to wake up to like the magic we have and whether or not someone identifies as like a witch or not, it's really important to start learning that like privacy is a critical part of protection and that these digital spaces have made it have normalized over sharing and that that can actually be quite dangerous and so to um not be scared but just like aware and intuitive with what you share and who you share it with
0: yeah yeah that's beautiful when I lived in Finhorn um that was something that they taught us we used to like I used to be part of like a cleaning team like you would be assigned to like the garden or you would be assigned to like cleaning for a week and like everything that they taught was like this is love in action like if you're cleaning a bathroom like how can you do it with like as much love and dedication and like presence for what you're doing and part of the way that they did that was by naming like the cleaning supplies and the vacuum mm. like reminding you that everything is sentient and it was really beautiful
1: yeah I mean I I think that uh it is very useful within the house to name things, um, to help like keep you on top of keeping them tidy and like caring for them. I love that. I especially love naming a vacuum because that feels very like Sabrina the Teenage Witch to me. Yeah,
0: um, so where can we find you and do you offer like private sessions?
1: Yes, so right now I have Uh, like three main offerings that people are hopping onto. The first one is like, if you just want feng shui, I do, if you send me a video of the room or the office or the sort of home space that you want to feng shui, I send back the top 10 like actionable items that someone can take to rebalance that space and sort of feel the difference that it makes to begin to incorporate feng shui into a home. Um, And then the other ones are in the digital feng shui offering. So you can find me um, on Instagram at digital feng shui. And there's a like super cheap, like $22 little offering. If you want a list of things to look through on your computer and your phone and start digitally detangling. And then you can also sign up for coaching with me. um, And I do like one-on-one coaching sessions usually in three sessions but whatever you, get, you think you need like i sort of negotiate with people um so yeah that's that's what i do and you can find me there there will be a snip feed up with those things um soon beautiful
0: thank you so much i to have a- i feel like we have only scratched the surface
1: of- oh i i was about to say that really? yeah. uh keep uh, i will keep taking notes as you keep doing these podcasts and if you keep bringing me back i'll just keep talking about it <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah i think you're uh um, you're a genius oh,
0: <laughs> you're
1: so- whoa all right i'm just taking that in that yeah. was so kind thank you i have to do another one excellent um all right